might be, uh, whatever your realm is, whatever ministry you're in, even in regards to parenting. Uh, I'm no expert on that, but this can uh, be, be applied to anyone who, at any age, trying to pass on the gospel of Jesus. So, that's our hope. Um, I'm John Landis. This is my wife, Lindsay. We lead the church out in Southwest Virginia, in Roanoke, Virginia, where Virginia Tech and Radford and Roanoke College and, and New River Community College, we have disciples every one of those colleges there. Nice. About uh, 60, 62 disciples in our campus ministry, church is about 140. So we have been there for six years. This is home for me. Came from Hampton Roads. Yeah. Uh, but we've been out there for six years. Uh, but we're excited about teaching this class. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to uh, give, a, give, a, give a giveaway away. Uh, get our hearts back into the energy here because it's, it's a long day. Uh, Lord in heaven, God, thanks so much for this opportunity. Yes. One, to be all together, God, from so many walks of life. Uh, all the many stories, God, the testimonies of how you've called each and every one of us out of the world and into your kingdom. And now you've brought us here, God, to, to learn. We put it on our hearts, God, to pass the faith that you've given us on to the next generation. God, I pray for this time to be a great discussion, a great time for us to be inspired, equipped, uh, to pass on the most important thing, uh, which is your truth. I pray, God, that you'd be with us during this time, help our stomachs not to overrule our hearts. <laughs> Again, we're just grateful to be, be among brothers and sisters and uh, just to be able to walk together in this moment. Praise in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, Lindsay and I got this title uh, a couple weeks ago, and when I first uh, when I first read it, I was like, "What is this? What is uh, gonna fly now?" Uh, so we have a Starbucks gift card to anyone who can tell me why our title is called "Gonna Fly Now." Not so much that it's equipping the next generation for leadership, but what's the specific, the specific reference. reference of "Gonna Fly Now." Yeah, I think that's it. Oh, it's a song to Rocky. Oh, so I think you got to be above the age of 35 to know that. <laughs> so, so Miles, Mr. Ferguson, you get that. That's exactly right. And uh, even after hearing Miles with the accurate connection, if you still don't understand what Miles is talking about with Rocky, uh, this uh, this might help you a little bit. This is, this is the actual song. I'm not going to show the whole thing. Yeah. We were going to ask you to sing it, but then <laughs> Okay. All right. And it, it basically ends with him going up the, the art museum in Philadelphia, oh, the yeah. classic Rocky pose, all that kind of stuff. My family hails from Philadelphia, so I knew that reference. <laughs> uh, and that's exciting. We, we had a, a champion who was a fictitious character. Uh, that's Philadelphia, but now we have real heroes because they won the Super Bowl, right? That, that matters. Oh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, but uh, we're excited you're here. Uh, we, had a, we had a little bit of an interactive game, but we're going to skip through that real quick. It was called Father Leader or Simon Says. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, but uh, before we get jump, jumping in, since this is a, a smaller class and it can be really interactive, which is our hope, uh, we want to ask you, uh, what is it you're looking for even to get out of this class? What, what brought you here? What is, your, what is your hope? Maybe even your scenario that you're... Uh, you're in right now might help us to make the most of this time. So, yeah, John. I, I think for, for me, Deb and I are moving to Harrisburg, so we'll be with the JMU students. All right. So I guess practicals to go along with the heart to shepherd. Yep. Okay, so practicals along with the heart to shepherd. Yeah. That's exciting, man. Yeah. JMU. That is awesome. Lindsay's undergrad. Yeah, so. go Dukes. <laughs> awesome. Yes, sir. Uh, we went on the Plains Bowling Green, a very small church of 15 and a half, uh, eight Amen. That's, that's awesome. exciting. And super inspired by your faith to go along the trip. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. great. Yeah, awesome. yeah, I'd like to know more. What do the younger people want mm. you yeah, in yeah. order to? Yeah. Right. That's a great question. And we'll, um, we'll tap into that specifically. We actually had some instruction on that in the staff portion of the ACR uh, on Thursday. Uh, so that was super helpful. So we hope to pass some of the new stuff that we got just a couple days ago Amen. on to you guys here. So, yeah. That's all over here. Yes. It was sort of the same thing. So I have a motivated and inspired yeah. uh, new leaders. Um, they are really the future. Mm -hmm. 
I've been a disciple almost 19 years, okay. so I know I, I kind of wanted to see the dynamic between, uh, you know, we kind of had a man, a, a system, sure. turning out a Bible talk leader, and every Bible talk had to be the cookie cutter type. Okay. I think now we're more dynamic and we're looking at things. So I wanted to see, okay, are we looking to how the Bible raises up leaders? So we had a system for a while, and it still works in some ways, but it's not for everybody. Okay. So I really wanted to glean. You know, how you reach, uh, like somebody said, how you reach people who are younger and right. they don't necessarily subscribe to the way I was baptized, the studies I did, and the, sure. the groups and right. what groups were and why they were groups. Absolutely. It, it's different now, right? but it's still all under Christ, so sure. I wanted to kind of, yeah. you know, evaluate Absolutely. and learn. And That's a great perspective and a great, a great hope. I, I hope that we can get that ball rolling for you as well, mm -hmm. that there's a... Uh, you know, how someone becomes a Christian doesn't change from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. The standard doesn't change, um, but how it actually can be communicated yeah. so people can hear it, mm -hmm. uh, it does change from generation to generation, whether it's drastically or similarly. But we hope to, to kick, uh, kick the mentality that I can even have as a 35-year-old in saying, man, that, those kids... Yeah. 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 I thought I'd never, I heard that a lot. I never thought I'd say that. I know. But I, even at 35 in our own campus ministry, I'm like, man, these kids. Um, but again, being able to adapt and learn from God to actually connect. So yeah. those are great, great things. Very cool. Yeah. All that. that does help us. Yeah. That'll help uh, us to tweak even some more notes up here. But um, we're going to start. My wife's going to talk to you about two particular types of people that uh, you may find yourself tasked to pass your faith on. Oh my and which one would you prefer? So there's no <laughs> game, would you rather? We're not going to play it like that. But uh, listen to these two disciples and see which one we want to hear, which one you would be most excited about training or equipping or walking with. Okay. All right, so how would you feel about investing in this type of person? What type, what responsibility would you be willing to give this person? And we'll leave it at that. This person debates with you about your decisions in front of others. They make big claims to support you, but don't follow through. They think they know better than you. They try to prevent you from doing challenging things for, for God. They want to do things that you're doing, but they don't have the faith to stick it out. Um, they show favoritism in the ministry. They're unreliable when you need them the most. Um, they're willing to lie to protect themselves instead of stand up for God. Uh, they're offended when you have to revisit the same thing in their character over and over again. Um, how would you feel about <laughs> investing in somebody like that? Any, any takers? I've been there. I've been that person. And I think yeah, it's, it's the patience of the brothers and sisters around me during those times that I did that. Yep. And, you know, how they, they were gentle but firm. Sure. So. Yep. Great. Thanks for your humility with that. Yeah. Um, if I'm honest, I would be running for the hills. Yes. But I do know that, you know, that somebody like that, I was very much like that, like the brother shared. And um, I do think God can use, if that person, if, I think I need more information about that person, sure. obviously. But if that person is eager to learn and overcome their sin, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I also agree with that. I think being that person, I know that I just feel like I feel like you described Peter really in the Bible. So like he was really awesome, crazy, effective. Like 
right hand dancer. I think a lot of time would be necessary to be invested in him because he's going to have a great one day. There you go, man. Yep. Awesome. Amen. Cool. Want to do the next, great. Guy, next person? Okay. So, how do you feel about investing in this type of person? Um, they're a natural leader. They easily draw the attention of other people. People want to follow them. They have a powerful conversion story. Um, they're seen by others as powerfully used by God. They follow you everywhere, trying to imitate you. Um, yeah, what's your natural reaction to someone like that? Who would you? I'd be just skeptical. Yeah. Uh, you know, excited to be able to see how God uses their strengths, but usually that's a, maybe an over-talented person, and their, their pride is usually very difficult for them to overcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good point. You guys are good. I know. <laughs> you guys can teach so the class. Spiritually discerning. <laughs> awesome. of, of all the two, I guess that, that sounds a whole lot more palatable, but the skeptic was a good point. Make sure that they're doing this for God and not to look cool. Right. Yep. Yep. Very cool. I think at first blush, right? You're yeah. like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And to the other guy, the second person, it's like, whew, okay. Like, yeah. they already got a lot going for them. Mm -hmm. uh, I can channel this in one way or the other. Um, so, what's your name, brother? Uh, Cody. Cody, where are you from? West Virginia. So, Cody yes. from West Virginia, he nailed, he nailed the, uh, let's see if this works. Peter. The first person. So yeah. the one that was going to confront you, thinks he knows better, uh, that's Peter. Yeah, it is. The one who's like, yeah, I'll be there, but then doesn't follow through. Mm -hmm. The one who makes all these bold claims, doesn't show up. He doesn't want to, oh, my goodness. And then the second one, anyone want to take a guess? Yeah. Simon the Sorcerer. Simon the Sorcerer. So yeah. we are talking about nice. Simon, Simon. 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 So again, and you see him, and again, Peter, even with all the help that he got from Jesus, is able to discern. Simon's conversion, or potentially discern his conversion, or at least call him to repentance in a way that's going to really, really get to the heart and really set him up for success moving forward. So uh, I do think it is important that uh, before we ever uh, get to the point of how we can really equip, that we've got to recognize our natural prejudices towards different types of people. Oh, yeah. uh, we've also got to recognize, uh, I appreciate the humility, because those who, the, the brother and sister here, who said, you know, that's kind of, like, I can relate. We, we tend to actually empathize and say, you know what? You know what? You've got a lot of raw material. God can shape that because you, it, it takes one to know one, right? But I think in our heart of hearts, because I'm not that way, and I respect that a ton, I like compliance, if I'm being honest. Like, ooh, someone that's just, man, say it once, and, mm, this, is, this is nice. Uh, this is easier. I can focus on a lot more uh, of people like that. We can actually, quote unquote, do more with a lot of compliance. But compliance is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, group think is scary. Uh, just go, being a company man for the sake of being, those things over time, the heart is lost. And we become behavioral experts rather than heart changers. So again, I think it is important before we jump into the how-tos and some of the practicals is, again, to recognize our own, our own likes in regards to who we naturally would, would want to equip or naturally would go to and say, man, I want to walk with him or her. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, that's, that's our tendency. That's my tendency is I look for someone who's willing, but uh, I'm more excited about someone who's possibly a bit more compliant than butts heads with me mm -hmm. and actually has a lot of strong opinions like, ooh, because of my insecurity, right? And, and your insecurity. So again, that's, that's uh, why I bring this up. The discernment we all need is we do need to understand that not everyone is going to be a leader. And for us to be careful to go out on our own and say, I know and I'm super discerning that I can take anybody and, and actually help them to be a leader. We understand that we're not Jesus. Uh, I do appreciate the heart, but I think there are some basics that we can, we can hold to to be discerning as to, you know what, who should I invest in? And you know what, maybe it's just not time for them to have a ton of responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I believe in the parable of the talents. I believe in giving everyone responsibility. 
I don't think there should be anybody in, in God's church that does nothing. Yeah. yeah. We, need, we need 100% employment in the church. <laughs> there shouldn't be anybody in your mission team or anybody in your church of 900 who just shows up. Yeah. Now, is that happening? Probably not. Is that ever going to happen? I don't know. But our hearts to really see that is, you know what, we want everybody to be able to figure out what they can do to build God's kingdom. And we're, so we're not going to talk about levels of responsibility, but I think the heart is, you know what, let's, let's, let's like God, give responsibility that will actually protect and encourage folks rather than set them up for failure. All right, so that's, that's more of the discernment. So we do need discernment. It's something that I learned and something that's really memorable and maybe offensive, who knows, but uh, <laughs> is people need to be fat. <laughs> this is something that's super memorable uh, for all the wrong reasons probably, but faithful, available, and teachable. Mm-hmm. These are some basics as you're trying to discern, like, okay, are they faithful? That's important. As much as yeah. Peter struggled, he was faithful, yeah. Yeah. right? He had failures. But he was a faithful man. He was available. And we need to be available. If you don't have time, then how can I walk with you? Yeah. How can I teach you? You're not going to equip anybody via email. Yeah. And for the younger generation, you're not going to equip anybody through text messaging. I mean, the heart does not translate over the airwaves. Mm-hmm. Emojis okay? only go And emojis so only go so <laughs> <laughs> You need to be teachable. Again, as rough as Peter was around the edges... He was teachable. Even in his darkest moments, he was teachable. Mm-hmm. So again, these are, you know, the principle of humility reigns supreme there. So I just brought this up, and we can make another acronym, and you can make your own. There's probably a bunch of others, but just three quick ones that help us discern. All right, before we even jump in here, these are three ones I can take to really see uh, a spirit of Jesus in someone before we really ramp, excuse me, ramp up, uh, making sure that they're set up to be equipped. Make sense? This is pretty much basics for anyone who follows Jesus, right? Yeah. Faithful, I got to be available, and he'd be teachable. Right. So nothing new, yeah. nothing new there. Can I share one? Yes, please do. Um, and I think the thing that struck me as we were working on this is is my initial re- reaction of running to the hills of of somebody like Peter, and even you know I think God has taught me a lot through raising up leaders that it's actually strengthening me in the process, and we'll talk more about that. But I'm I'm often called to lead people that are a lot more raw and strong-willed outwardly than I am. And and that can make me not know what to do at times because I'm like, can you just, like, can we keep it simple, you know? And let's just do what I'm doing. And, um, and even, and, you know, even in parenting, we've, God has given us just kids with a lot of drive and a lot of, they want to lead. Um, and, yeah, right now, like us. <laughs> But, um, but to see that, the value in that, and yeah. to not just desire something that's easy, yeah. um, because I, I, it, it was very alarming to look at Simon the Sorcerer and to think, I would naturally be like, wow, that person is like, just, he can just jump right in, and he can just go ahead and start leading, and we don't really have to do very much to get him there. Um, whereas I think Peter, what I've learned to appreciate was just how raw and how authentic he was with where he was at and that he was willing to be shaped um and for us to not shy away from people that have those rough edges uh but are faithful available and teachable awesome. uh, scripture we know well and this is peter this is jesus's vision for peter for simon peter your name is simon and your father is called john but from this day forward you'll be known as peter the rock and in the greek it's rocky so the original Rocky, going to fly now, there's the connection, then we're done it with all it. Ties in. It all ties in there. <laughs> Peter is the original Rocky. The Greek. And again, so for Peter to, for Jesus to have that vision for Peter, and then to actually have the, the perseverance and the capacity to love Peter, to help him be that. I, in my sinful nature, hope a vision will take someone all the way to the end. That I can pray and conjure up a really, really cool vision and hope that that vision will actually just launch them to go after it and say, go get them. Jesus created a vision for Peter, but then every step of the way, Jesus was there yeah. to help him 
actually be who God designed them to be. Yeah. Um, we need to understand, as disciples, that there is no new way to raising up leaders, and there is no way around that this is going to be Jesus' way. There's no new way in the sense that I've got nothing new to tell you today, and there's no way around the fact that it's got to be Jesus' way. Yeah. There's no strategy. Uh, there's no emphasis outside of what Jesus did. And I know you didn't come here for a new strategy. And we want to connect to this next generation, which is the hearts of, of what I heard uh, from you guys. But the vision is great, but the vision only gets you started. Yeah. You've got to have the heart to actually see it through. Um, Jesus' way is the only way, and that's what we're going to talk about here. Um, the convicting part here is that we actually do have a role in all of this. Uh, 1, Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 11, 1, you can see it up there. And Paul talking to the church there in Corinth, follow me, or my example, as I follow the example of Christ. If you have a Bible, flip over to 2 Thessalonians, verse 3. We're going to look at this idea of modeling. And what I love about this is that Jesus, in Jesus' way, and Paul here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is not saying, uh, we're going to clone people. Meaning, you just watch me, and you be like me. That's scary, right? right. We, we don't do that. Mm -hmm. That cannot be our heart. But the modeling is biblical. Meaning, when someone looks at me, who should they see? Right. They should see Jesus. We should be pointing them to Jesus with our words, with our heart, with our whys, and with, with our life. Uh, so let's not be fooled in thinking that there's too much pressure on us that somehow I've got to be someone's all in everything. Yeah. Uh, we know as, as parents of children, they learned we weren't perfect very early. <laughs> so we just get that out of the way. I messed up. You need to be looking at Jesus. And yeah. that's my, my goal as a parent to keep pointing to the perfect father who doesn't break a promise, all that and so forth. Um, but here in 2 Thessalonians 3, let's look at this language here uh, that Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. Verse 6, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive, does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor do we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we work day and night, Laboring and toiling so that you would not be a burden to, or so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. Imitation is biblical. Who it points to is important. And Paul, if he were here, would never say, you know what, I want you to imitate me for the sake of imitating me. But then you can harmonize 1 Corinthians 11 to this verse, that our lives are meant to be imitatable. Yeah. So the deep conviction and the, the main idea for our time here is that we, more than ever before, need to commit or recommit to being models of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. That we've got to look at our lives, we've got to look at our schedules, we've got to look at our hearts and say, okay... Does my life model Jesus? Because raising up the next generation is not a scheme or a strategy or a points of emphasis in certain ways to the other, but the heart is what the next generation and what we looked for, and it's the same as the next generation, is they're going to look for the heart, not just the how-tos. Is your life a model of Jesus. If someone were to follow us for a week, who would they be imitating? Would they be imitating Jesus or something else? That's the heart of Jesus' way. That's the heart that Paul lived by. And again, if Paul were here, we know that Paul was not a perfect man. But again, the heart is, I want to imitate Jesus. If you imitate me, you're going to be imitating Jesus. And that's the heart as we want to raise up the next generation. Um, 
The biggest thing that I find in my heart as to why this doesn't happen or why this is difficult is a failure of nerve, an emotional capacity or incapacity. Um, I'm a history major and I go all the way back, I don't go all the way back, but you can go all the way back to the exploration days, so 1400s, prior to the Renaissance, all these different things. And there was a, a paradigm that our world was flat. There was a paradigm that this is geocentric, not heliocentric, meaning everything revolves around the Earth. There was a paradigm that the equator was the end of the world, and that the top half of what we know as the globe, the northern hemisphere, that was it. And there was a teaching, and there was a paradigm, and there were facts, and there were resources. There were cartographers, people who make maps, who would give to people who wanted to explore. And they only explored what the map makers showed. Wow. So barriers weren't broken because the mental capacity was limited. If you're not into history, you might be into running. There's a guy named Roger Bannister who broke the first, he was the first person to break the four minute mile. There was a paradigm that that could never happen. In 1957, when he actually broke the four minute mile, guess what happened? The next year, three men broke it in the exact same race. A year later, one race, three people broke the four minute mile. There is a connection to all these things that there's something in us and our emotional capacity, our nerve, that will keep us from passing the torch. The limitations that we may have in our lives will keep the next generation from being raised up. And that's what I see in my heart, anyway. Uh, I'm gonna skip to this example. This guy, uh, old, old guy, Giovanni Ferranzo. Uh, he was a photographer and an explorer, and this is the map he took, and he missed a whole lot of stuff because he was following someone else's map. Wow. So for us, as we live our lives as disciples, as the, a generation that precedes the next one, we've got to understand the life that we are walking is the map in which the next generation is looking to. That if our lives show a, a world, the possibilities that are not accurate, the next generation will follow the map we laid out. So as parents, as, as people who are getting ready to retire, our Caleb Corps, these things are super exciting to me because the Caleb Corps or people who are going on mission teams that, are, that, are, that are, have been working for quite some time that didn't grow up in campus ministry, what this is doing is taking that map and showing the world what it really is. So this next generation would say, oh, I know what it's like to be faithful in 50. I know what it's like to be married and be faithful. Not because I've experienced yet, but I can see the map. Yeah. It's right in front of me. Yeah. They're having me over for dinner. They're asking me how I'm doing spiritually. Yeah. Every service. That's the map. But what are they looking at? Are they looking at something like this when they look at your life? Or are they getting pointed to the reality? of what can actually be done as a disciple of Jesus. The map we hand the next generation is nothing less than our very lives. Our very lives will show the possibilities. Um, our capacity for love needs to be ratcheted up so tremendously. Amen. <laughs> we have a brother in our fellowship who he and I most recently sat down and stared each other in the eyes and said, we are going to be closer than a brother, Amen. based on the scriptures and Proverbs. He and I are similar in the doubt that we don't naturally believe we can have real, deep, spiritual relationships. We're like, oh, we're the guy in the scripture that says, help me overcome my unbelief. Like, I want this so badly to be able to walk with someone to be able to grow with someone, to be closer than a brother. But in my heart of hearts, I don't believe it's possible. I know it's possible for you. I'm talking about me. Yeah. And the reason why this is, 
is that my, my heart, I'm gonna, this, me, I don't know about you, but my capacity for love has had to increase drastically as of, as of late. My character is a doer, not a connector. I get a validation from finishing tasks, not connecting with people. How in the world did I become a church leader? <laughs> I think it's to show me how much I need Jesus and to help me to repent. But to get things done only inspires so much. It's the old adage, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's my life lesson. And I look at my schedule and I look at my life and all the things I need to get done to glorify God. And I think, how can I ever connect with people when I have all this stuff to do? For you guys, I imagine it's similar in the sense that you have 40 plus hours of work a week. You have families. You have lawns. You have bills. (laughs) You have doctor's appointments. You've got other things you've got going on. If we really, really mapped it out, how many hours do you have to love and walk with people? Mm -hmm. There is no doubt in my mind that we all desire to walk with people. Like, oh, man, that's your job. You're in the full-time ministry. The truth is you don't have to be in the full-time ministry. But I remember when I worked in high school, worked for a high school teacher, I had a challenge to think, how in the world? I'm working all these hours. I don't have the time to invest in the people like I want to. The emotional barrier that I believe we can knock down right now is that you actually have the time to pass on the, ne- the faith to the next generation. Mm-hmm. To really believe that the time that you spend with people, we'll talk practicals here for the rest of the, rest of the way, Amen. will make all the difference. Mm-hmm. That the emotional capacity that needs to be, or the failure of nerve that needs to be eradicated from our minds is, you know what? I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. I wish I had all this time to actually do this. I don't. The capacity to love is actually what needs to increase. Mm-hmm. Eradicate the, the idea that you don't have time and ratchet up the capacity to love. Because in my heart, I have plenty of time. I just don't want to love in certain moments. Yeah. What do I mean by that? I just worked a 12-hour shift, and now I want to come home and eat my dinner, and I want to watch Thursday night football, and I'm going to read something before I go to bed and call it a night. You could have someone over to eat dinner with you. You could have a couple bros or another family come over and watch football with you. You could, but that takes what? Love. I'm toasted from the day. I don't have anything left. I'm not saying you do this every night, okay? <laughs> but there are times where I think that thought comes across our mind. Yes. I could walk with someone here. I could have someone over here. I'm filling the blank. That's the map making of 1492. <laughs> but you having someone over when you're on the dregs of your energy, is opening someone's eyes up to how to imitate Christ. And it's those little moments that make way more of a difference than we could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. I mean, to share there? Familiar scripture Lindsay's going to read here. Um, Yeah, this one I love um, because it gives, gives a women illustration here, but it works for anybody. Um, but I love that it says uh, in First Thessalonians two, just as nursing mother, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you, because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Um, and I, I love that illustration because of 
um, when a mom becomes a mom, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I remember feeling so helpless when they gave me that baby and they're like, okay, you sustain this baby. And, um, and you, but because you love, you find out everything you need to find out. You know, you read that what to expect book. You ask for somebody help me. Um, you you love them. You start learning. What does this cry mean? What does this cry mean? And your the love drives you more than your information or your experience. And um, so I love that illustration. That that is what what they were like among these people. That they loved them so much. And that. Um, and that what made the impact was not just the information of the gospel, but the lives. And that they were able to even let them in on their toil, their hardship. Um, the emotional barrier I can have sometimes is I'm not in a mode to give right now. Like, I'm, I'm spent. Um, but to let people in on that and let them see how I can live as a disciple when I'm tired or when things are hard. Um, and even allowed them to help me as well during that process. So, yeah. Great. So this really is modeling and walking like Jesus. It's, it's not a going all the way back to the first century and saying, okay, let's all get our sandals out and spend every second with each other. I think we'd love that. That's why this is kind of a slice of heaven. Mm -hmm. But we go back to our 21st century culture, and we've got to make this work. You've got to go back into the mindset of, or go back into the, the framework, or how do I walk with people with the expectations and the demands of my job? Mm -hmm. How do I make the most of these moments? Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about some practicals here. But again, we've got to address the heart first, which is why we spent half the time on heart. We'll spend the next Sorry. 15 minutes or so on practicals. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have the capacity to love, then we're just passing on info, yeah. which is what I love to do. And that's why it's not effective. <laughs> frustrated by that many a time, so I'll talk about that. First practical, catch what makes them tick. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about here. Uh, what makes you tick? Some questions. Why do you care about the things you care about? You have someone in your fellowship, and you're trying to motivate them, and they seem a bit flat. Know, know any of those? Mm -hmm. You're like, man, what man, like, what's... Everybody has something. Yeah. That gets them going. Another quote, tell me what ticks you off, and that will tell you what makes you tick. <laughs> True. There's been, we did team ministry, and we still do. It's never, you're never not in a team ministry, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, if you've never been in a team ministry, you are. Yeah. In the team <laughs> ministry, because they're watching. Anyway, but um, we had many a team, I see Darrell Northridge is back here, man, with team leaders together <laughs> um, and we've had plenty of teens that was just like man there's no substance like you sit there and you come to Devo like what is it and we would we would try to stir it up a little bit to find out what not pick on them or haze them or anything crazy but just like what gets you going man what gets you fired up and you've had those moments where you bring up a topic and their eyes light up yeah, yeah, yeah. you talk about a certain football team and then they just come to life mm. You're like eagles, and they're like, oh man, you're like, whoa, 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 where, where did that come from? Okay. Or you talk about Minecraft, and they're like, whoa, you, let me tell you about this, and you're like, ooh, yeah. there's something in there. Yeah. Or we go and we play dodgeball, and little, little guy who's sitting there and doesn't say a peep is now in the front row dodging, dodging everything thrown at him yeah. and throwing haymakers at all the girls. <laughs> we're like, whoa, where did that guy come from? Yeah. I think it's true for us, but it's true in the people you're getting to know. This is kind of like first, you know what, I don't know this person. I'm trying to figure out how to jump in there. Think about your situation in Bowling Green. You jump in there like, I don't, I don't know all these folks, but i got to find out what makes them tick. And some of the quick, low-hanging fruit is, what, what are you passionate about? Mm -hmm. yeah. What gets you excited? What makes you angry? Well, those are questions you kind of get to know each other. And you get to know what makes someone tick. But it's important to find that out. And you catch it, meaning we've got to be incredible listeners. Yeah. We can't go in there saying, when I was in the campus ministry, or <laughs> back at my old church, this is something, as I went to Roanoke, 
And as you're, I'm not sure where you're coming from, brother. Where you're coming from before you went Bowling Green? Louisville. Louisville. Uh. So uh, I made the mistake of going going from Hampton, not going to Roanoke, and saying, "Oh well, in Hampton Roads we would do." Like, you're not in Hampton Roads. And it it doesn't mean again. These, this is a bad example in the sense that it's not like we're talking about you know sound salvation doctrine. That doesn't work here in Roanoke. No, it was more about these are the ins and outs. Like, well, that yeah. might not work here in Roanoke. That might not motivate someone who's not in the military. Like, yeah, yeah. So you got to learn the people you're with. Mm-hmm. Basics. Told you. Nothing new. But Jesus was incredible at learning how to figure out what makes people tick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be able to help them connect to where they were going with what naturally got them, got them moving all right, in their guts. So again, we've got to be great listeners. We've got to ask great questions. We've got to be, great, be on the lookout. Uh, what makes people tick. Uh, the second one is create an environment for the crazy. Come on. <laughs> and this is a picture of Peter about to, or crawling out of the boat, uh, where he desires to walk on water like Jesus does. He's the only one of the twelve that even had the idea. And he does it. And it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I believe Jesus knew this isn't going to go so well. <laughs> I mean, Jesus knew that Peter is going to get distracted by the winds and the waves. He is going to be borderline drowning in just a few seconds. All right, let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. And then Jesus said, why do you you fear? Why do you doubt? Where's your faith? Oh, Oh, my goodness. These are, whoa, an environment where these young people or the people you're investing in can actually take a step out, pun intended, mm-hmm. and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And see how it goes. This is not the sink or swim. This is a sink or swim illustration, but this isn't sink or swim modeling. Meaning, you didn't take the time to equip someone and you just say, hey, go get it, bro. And you don't tell them what to expect. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay? Peter, case in point, Peter was a fisherman. Do you think he knew about the winds and the waves? Oh, yeah. Do you think he knew about this scenario quite a few times? He had been out there on the, on the sea when it got rough before. This is not, hey, first time on a boat. Hey, come on out here. Peter was a veteran sailor who wasn't afraid of a lot of the details. So Peter had this in an environment that Peter was familiar with. But there was one thing that was very unfamiliar, and that was walking on water. Mm. So I want us to understand that as we create an environment, the environment can't be completely new, and then you throw them overboard and say, we're training now. Mm -hmm. They do need to know a lot of the background, Mm -hmm. a lot of the understanding of that, and let them step out and experience leading or experiencing something that they may quite possibly fail in. Uh, The beauty of this passage is that we know what Jesus did immediately. He didn't shame him and say, where's your faith? But he reached out first. He was there to make sure the support and the help was there in this new environment of the crazy. Make sense? You want to share there? Um, Yeah. Uh, I think that this idea of having a graceful teaching environment is so important. And I'm so grateful for the grace that's been shown to us. Um, I used to hate this fact, but... Everything we've done, we've not felt ready for. And to be quite honest, I don't know that the people sent us that sent us felt we were quite ready for. <laughs> and um, and I used to hate that, but I'm actually really grateful for that now because it's taught me so much about relying on God and not on myself and on my training and on every knowing how to do every little thing. Um, and I think that it's hard to do that, but to really allow people to have an idea, to let them step out, and to let them fall, and to help them through how they fall. Um, Some of my biggest lessons I've learned from leading have been my biggest failures, (laughs) that they stick out in my mind, but then God's grace through it, and even people's help through it. Um, So I think that's super important to have that, that environment where you're not 
you don't feel afraid to do something before you know exactly how to do it. Um, I, something we were at the, uh, the young ministers panel at the staff retreat and they were saying that a lot of this, the young leaders, um, they feel like they don't, they don't have enough training to lead. They feel like they need to know so much more and they don't want to step out and do it. Um, and there's a fear that's leading of what if I mess up? Um, and I, I think that that's something super important in this generation. And, um, yeah, we'll get to the other part. But I, uh, I think, you know, of the, of the women that I've seen really do incredible things, sometimes they, they made some really bad decisions, um, and I'm one of them. But they, they, or they made choices that they weren't ready to do um, in their faith. And, and yet to see how they grew through it and, and how that helped strengthen them to lead even more is, is just incredible. Uh, but it, it takes faith on my part to actually let them, let them make the mistakes they're gonna make and grow through it, but be there with them through it. Great. Uh, third one is choose to develop character and conviction and the skills will come. Uh, this is a clip, a uh, movie clip, but for time's sake, this is the new Karate Kid. It's talking about getting the next generation connected. We all know the original Karate Kid. Yeah, the real one. Uh, the real one. That's right, Miles. <laughs> yeah. uh, the real one. This is with Jalen uh, Smith, Will Smith's son. And uh, Jackie Chan is, is Mr. Miyagi in, in this story. Uh, Jalen had a difficult time in hanging up his coat or his jacket. Every time he came home, he would drop his jacket on the ground. His mother would say, pick up your jacket. Jackie Chan, or Mr. Miyagi, overheard that, and Jalen was being bullied at school and wanted to actually learn how to defend himself. He was the maintenance man as his apartment, and he decided, you know what, I'll, I'll take you under my wing and we'll do some stuff. What he did is he created this bar, and he had him hang up his jacket, and then take his jacket off, put his jacket on, take his jacket off, hang it up, and he did it thousands and thousands and thousands of times, and to the point where in this scene, He's like, I'm done. I'm sick of this. The reason why I'm your only student is that you don't know Kung Fu. And then he calls him and says, take off your jacket. And he starts to, like he's going to punch him. And Jalen blocks it. And he says, put your jacket on. And then, and then he knows actually Kung Fu just from the character trait of hang your stinking jacket up mm -hmm. when you get home. And I think we are so obsessed with having skills. And this next generation is obsessed with having skills yeah. versus character. Mm. Character takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Skills, you can acquire, depending on what it is, you can acquire it rather rapidly. Yeah. Grit is the thing that I'm in this next generation. I kind of like, I've got one foot in and one foot out. But grit is something that they say they lack. When things get hard, the temptation to quit is greater than ever. Yeah. Yeah. The mentality, even in the campus ministry at a great university like Virginia Tech, where a lot of folks, a lot of smart people are there, if it gets hard, it must not be right. Yeah. Come on, brother. And spiritually, if things are difficult, God must not be behind it. Mm. Come on. And that's how it permeates God's kingdom is, oh, this is hard. We're running against resistance. God must be telling me there's another way. Or man, nobody is, is accepting this truth. Maybe what we're saying isn't true after all. Wow. Right? And it's a, it's a lack of grit. Yeah. But what actually, why I talk about grit is that this is something we spend a lot of time talking about with the campus students, is character, grit. We talk about that. I've got a few C's that we emphasize in, uh, in, in, in Roanoke when I have my guys with me. Um, four C's. Courage, connection, community, and compassion. And we could talk about skills, like how to develop a Bible talk, uh, even how to share your faith. Um, I wouldn't consider how to pray or how to make the most out of your, your times with God a skill, although it is, but I do think that's a something we can model with people. But uh, courage 
in Mark 10, I love this, one of my favorite passages, where it says that Jesus resolutely set his sights on Jerusalem. The crowd was amazed, and his disciples were scared. Jesus was modeling courage. And they learned courage because they saw it modeled. Connection, Luke 11, where Jesus takes the time to teach them how to pray. Again, connection with God takes character. I mean, how many of us love waking up before we have to go to our jobs in the morning to have that connection time? You probably don't love it, but how are you afterwards? Glad I did. I see the benefit. I see what the Holy Spirit did. I'm ready to go. Or it was a great start. I'm looking forward to more later. You know, whatever it might be. But teaching them to connect is way more important than running out with all these skills and no foundation. Community. John 13. Teaching the men and teaching the women out there in Roanoke that you can't do this alone. That you actually need to be connected to people. Connected to God and connected with people. They're an ambitious group out there. You don't go to Virginia Tech without ambition. Mm-hmm. You don't go to college or you don't go to trade school. You don't, you don't live life without some type of ambition. Yeah. So let's not just talk about college students. Something gets you going. So talking about that, it's like, okay, you can run out there, but God wants us to go far, not fast. People who love going fast often go alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people that go the farthest are the people that go together. We have to understand that the, the next generation and the people we're working with, that God has, has helped us to be connected to, you're going to have folks that want to go fast. You're going to say, look, we're not about going fast. We're about going far. Yeah. Yeah. We're not just trying to help you be a great disciple for this moment here. We want to look ahead to you actually finishing. So this is the principle of, a lot of you might have heard this, but it's called the Gregory Principle, where you, you look past the horizon. That to actually help the next generation, we need to be men and women who see farther than the present circumstance. Yeah. For a college student or a teen or a young professional, it's inherent that we just see what's six inches in front of our face. I mean, that's our lives as, as well, whether you're retired or not. It's the tendency to think no farther than what do I have going on today mm-hmm. and to be reactionary. What God calls us to do and what he has done for us is to take the time to look beyond mm-hmm. and to say, okay, this might not actually turn around overnight, but this will help you in the long run. Will Archer, who leads the Church of Potomac Valley, this is what he helps me with all the time. John, we're not going fast, we're going far. Mm-hmm. You keep trying to go fast, We're trying to go far. I'm like, okay, it's not, slow down. We're going far, not fast. I like it. It's new. It's, it's not, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? It's the same, same principle. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then compassion. Sure. Yeah. We have like two minutes. Two minutes. Um, Compassion is really important. You can talk a lot about evangelism, but if compassion isn't there, we're just dutiful. Yeah. Yeah. So this next generation has heard incredible stories as to what has happened in our movement. They see huge acts of faith, and they're intimidated by them. What they want to do, and what's natural, I think even what I think of, too, is, oh, man, how can, how can all those folks, how can we have moments like that again? And what that translates into is, I'll just work harder. And the heart's not passed on. So the heart of compassion needs to be passed on, and the people will be met because you love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no agenda. I just love you. How it goes is up to God. That's right. But it's easy when you see something, you say, man, how do we get that? Oh, I just got to crank, to use a word, or I've got to get after it, to use another phrase. But the heart can be missed. So we spend a lot of time talking about compassion. Compassion, compassion, compassion. If you've got compassion, you'll share your faith. Yeah. Not just do it to do it. All right, I'm going to fly here, guys. It's going to fly now. <laughs> Cultivate connection. This is what I really want to implore us to walk away with, is to really value the small moments in your week. Amen. To, not, to not think, oh, man, I've got to have uh, two hours to really actually help the next generation 
be equipped or to really walk with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I gotta have a five point D time to really help them be equipped. I've gotta have a curriculum as to where we're going in the next two years to really help them feel equipped. Now that, I think they'll be fired up if you came with all that. I think maybe you take the time to think that through over the horizon stuff, but I think what often keeps me from jumping in and passing it on is because I think I need all this other stuff to really make it happen. Value your dinners. Value what I even learned from a guy named Alex Hernandez. A lot of you guys know him. He called me one day back in 2010 or 2008. He said, what are you doing? I was like, I'm washing my car. He's like, hey, you should call a teen and have them wash your car with you. I was like, oh. He's like, yeah, it's a great time. I was like, okay. And he's like, all right, buddy, bye, buddy, bye. And that was, that was it. And I was like, ah, just, I was just washing my car. Yeah. Yeah. I was already almost done, so I didn't do it that time, but better believe it next time. Hey, come on over. And guess what these teens remember? They don't remember the Devos that Darrell and I did. Right. They don't remember, they don't remember the, the D times, what, 6 o'clock in the morning before they go to school. They don't remember that stuff. They might think of it fondly, but guess what they say? Hey, remember, remember that one time? When you made that dinner and you burned it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, remember that one time we were cutting your grass? Yeah. Hey, remember that one time we washed the car? Exactly. Hey, remember that one time we went to, we went to Wawa uh, late, late in the night and we actually got you know, some type of drink? I was like, uh, no, I don't. Actually, no, I don't remember that. But that's what they remember. That's right. Uh, I asked Drew Mines, who uh, was, was speaking to the men tonight out in Virginia Tech. Hey, what do, what do, you, what do you remember the most? He's like, hey, I remember just going, on the super, going to the supermarket with you. And you were getting stuff for Cameron. Like, that's it. He's like, yeah, that's it. It's living life. I'm like, oh, man, you serious? And then I asked Ed, because Ed, Ed said the Bible with me back in, back, in the, back in 2003. And what I remember about Ed, Ed's like the guru of all curriculums. But what I remember about Ed more than anything is going to Farm Fresh with him on Great Neck Road and him sharing his faith with a cash register. With, not with a cash register, with the cash register person you're working with. It's really inspiring. No, they didn't. I don't. They didn't come. I don't remember that person becoming a Christian at all. It was just like, you know what? We're we're doing this together, and whoa! I saw something. I saw your faith lived out. Yeah. Connection really does make a huge difference. And time's up here, guys. Hold on, Lucy. Oh yeah. Yeah, hold on, Lucy. I think I lost my connection, which is ironic. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> cool. Uh, my last practical is hold on loosely, but don't let go. There you go. There it goes. That's good. Uh, and that really is cultivating, again, the idea of allowing people uh, to be free to, to go and live out their faith. Amen. Yeah. To keep the standards where they need to be, uh, but allowing them to go and, and live this out. But again, you don't let go. Yeah. You don't let go to think through your group and say, hey, how can I actually clarify what, what it is that God calls us to be and to do? Let's go do that. Let's think of creative ways to make that happen. To your point, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, but um, you asked, hey, I want to learn how to, he's actually left, but I want to learn how to understand the truth and say it in a way that this next generation can hear it. Yeah. And that's what this is all about. Yeah. We've got to make sure the standard never moves. That's right. But we've got to hold on loosely and actually how that standard is communicated. Because the next generation knows how to connect with their generation better than we do. Yeah. And we would be really, really wise. And this is something they told us. We would really, really appreciate it if you listened to how we connect. <laughs> and not go down the route of those kids. Yeah. <laughs> Those darn kids. Mm. But to say, hey, teach me how you tick. Yep. Teach me how you connect. What actually helps you feel trained? Because that was kind of one of the cries, was we want more training. And the older generation was like, what do you mean? We've trained this way. And I think it's communicating, this actually is training. And what they wanted was kind of the sit down info talks. Mm-hmm. What we've learned is that it's not about information and curriculum, it's about walking together. Mm-hmm. So it's even telling them when you have them over for dinner, when you're washing your dishes, or you're washing your car, and they're wondering, 
what, why am I putting on my jacket a thousand times when I come over to your house? For you to have enough of the conversation to say, you know what? This is part of your training. Yep. I'm training you to love God with all your heart by seeing my family, by seeing this, X, Y, Z, whatever you decide to do with them. Then that light bulb goes off and they're so excited to walk with you guys. That was the rallying cry was, oh my goodness, I want to walk with my heroes. Mm -hmm. I want to walk with the older generation. So give yourselves a ton, a ton of credit that they want to learn from you. It's not all the hoopla and all the MTAs that are going to get it done. It's actually going to be all of us deciding, I'm going to walk like Jesus. And I'm going to allow people to see that in my life and walk together. And that'll get the job done. So again, for us, it's time to fly now to dinner. Uh, This is all recorded. and We actually have the slides. uh, So we'll make sure those things get get your way. Thanks so much for sharing this time with us. Thank you. Thanks, sister.